2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to be speaking about getting the picture. So out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul did not want Timothy to have an identity crisis, so he carefully explained what a pastor is and what a pastor does. Paul represented uh, seven pictures of the Christian minister. In chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the ministry is not something we get for ourselves and keep to ourselves. Amen. We are stewards of the spiritual treasure that God has given to us. It's our responsibility to guard the deposit and then invest it in the lives of others. And they, in turn, are to share the word uh, with the next generation of believers. It's important that we get our original treasure from the word of God and not from other people's ideas and philosophies or ideas and philosophies of men and women of the world. We, we do not test modern teachers by their, say, popularity, their education, or their skill. We test them by the word of God. And particularly the doctrines of grace as given by Paul. It, it, it's, it's not we who examine Paul to see if he is right. It is Paul who examines us. It takes strength to teach the word of God. We've got to dig out of the rich mines of the scripture, the gold, the silver, the precious stones that are hidden there. The strength, this strength for us can only come from God's grace. The, and the secret of Paul's ministry was the grace of God. See 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. The ability to, stutter, the, uh, to study, the ability to understand, and the ability to teach the word of God is a gift of God's grace. The Bible speaks about being apt to teach. So in, it, this is one of God's requirements for the pastor. Apt to teach implies apt to learn. So a steward must also be a diligent student of the word of God. And then chapter 2, verses 3 through 4 and verses 8 through 13, Paul often used military illustrations in his letters. And this is not surprising since he lived in a military state and he was in prison himself. He described in these verses the characteristics of a, quote, good soldier of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, um, speaking of enduring hardship, many people have the idea that the ministry is a soft job, that preachers are often the seem to be the butt of jokes that suggest that they are lazy and they should be ashamed of, of uh, accepting their salaries even. But, but a dedicated Christian minister is in a battle that requires spiritual endurance. See Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. He avoids worldly entanglements. See verse 4. He is totally committed to his commanding officer, the one who enlisted him. And in our case, this is Jesus Christ the Lord. That's who we are enlisted by. It's sometimes necessary 
for a pastor or say a pastor's wife to be employed because their church is maybe maybe they're not able to support them this is a sacrifice on their on their part and it's an investment into the work of God but a pastor who is fully supported should not get involved in sidelines that divide his interest and weaken his ministry <clears throat> excuse me our purpose is to please the Lord it's not to please ourselves in verses 8 and 9 remember Jesus Christ he is the way or it, this is the way the phrase should be translated. It sounds almost like a war cry, like remember the Alamo. But no, remember Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus, the captain of our salvation, Hebrews 2 and 10. And our purpose is to bring honor and it's to bring glory to, to God. Bring glory to Jesus. What an encouragement that Jesus Christ is to a suffering soldier. Because he died and rose again, proving that suffering leads to glory and that seeming defeat leads to victory. Jesus was treated as an evildoer and his soldiers are going to be treated the same way, the Bible says. The best way to magnify Christ is through the ministry of the word of God. Paul was bound, but God's word cannot be bound. His word runneth very swiftly, it says in Psalms 147. The word of God grew and multiplied, it says in Acts 12. He thinks of the whole army in verse 12. The elect are God's people, chosen by his grace and called by his spirit. Paul not only suffered for the Lord's sake, but he also suffered for the sake of the church. There were yet many people to reach with the gospel, and Paul wanted to help reach them. A soldier who thinks only of himself is disloyal and undependable. In verses 11 through 13, this faithful saying is probably part of an early uh, statement of faith recited by believers. This, quote, faithful saying, it is faith in Jesus Christ that gives us victory. 1 John 5 and verse 4. We do not fear the enemies, for he has already conquered them. The Lord Jesus Christ has already conquered our enemies. Through our identification with Christ in death, in burial, and in resurrection, we have won the victory already. See Romans 6. What a, a pair of paradoxes. Death leads to life. Suffering leads to uh, reigning in glory. So we have nothing to fear. The important thing is that we not, quote, disown our Lord. For if we disown him here, he will disown us before the Father. See Matthew 10, 33. So in that great roll call in glory, when the medals are given out, we will lose our reward if we disown his name. The Bible's pretty clear on that, um, but Paul makes it clear in 2 Timothy 2 and 3 that even our own doubt and our unbelief cannot change him. The Bible says he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. We, we don't put faith in our faith. 
or in our feelings because they're going to change because they're they will fail us so we put our faith in Christ who does not fail us the great missionary J Hudson Taylor often uh, said it's not by trying to be faithful but in looking to the faithful one that we win the victory and then in verse or chapter 2 verse 5 Paul sometimes used athletic illustrations in his writings he used terminology like wrestling boxing running and exercising the Greeks and the Romans were enthusiastic about sports and the Olympic and, and the games were important events to them. Paul had already urged Timothy to exercise like an athlete. See verses 7 and 8. Now Paul admonished him to obey the rules. A person who strives as an athlete to win a game and get a a crown must be careful to obey all the rules of the game. In the Greek games in particular, the judges, they were um, most careful about enforcing the rules. Each competitor in a game had to be a citizen of his nation with a good reputation. In his preparations for the event, he had to follow specific standards. If an athlete was found defective in any matter, he was disqualified from competing. If after he had competed and, and won, he was found to have broken some rule, he then lost his crown. I think back on um, the great American athlete Jim Thorpe. He lost his Olympic medals because he participated in sports in a way that broke an Olympic rule. From the human point of view, Paul Paul was a loser. There was nobody in the grandstands cheering him on. For, quote, all they which are in Asia had turned away from him, the Bible says. He was in prison. He was suffering as an evildoer. Yet Paul was a winner. He had kept the rules that were laid down in the word of God. And one day he would get his reward from Jesus Christ. Paul was saying to young Timothy, he said, the important thing is that you obey the word of God. No matter what people may say, you are not running the race to please people or to get fame. You are running to please Jesus Christ. So this was the, the counsel, the wisdom that Paul imparted into Timothy or gave to Timothy. And then in verse chapter in chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 this is there is or this is another favorite image found in Paul's letters Paul once compared the local church to a cultivated field in which all the believers work together each christian has this particular task to form amen each of us has plowing or sowing or watering or harvesting or this or that in different seasons, it could be as well. We don't just all plow or all sow or all water or all harvest. But then it goes on to say, but it is God alone who gives the increase. So several practical truths are found in this image of the farmer and, and the field. For one thing, a farmer has to work. If you leave a field to itself, it's going to produce mostly weeds. Now Solomon, he had 
this truth in mind when he wrote about the field of the sluggard in Proverbs 24. Real ministry is hard work, and a pastor and church members ought to work in their spiritual field as diligently as the farmer works in his in his field. Pastors, they don't punch time clocks, but they they ought to be up in the morning and at their work just as if God blew a whistle for them, just like the farmer. A farmer needs patience. And we can see in James 5 and 7, it says, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the fall and spring rains. A pastor friend of mine often reminds me the harvest is not the end of the meeting, it is the end of the age. A farmer deserves his share of the harvest. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops, as it says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 6 in the NIV. Paul is stating here that a faithful pastor ought to be supported by his church. The same idea is found in 1 Corinthians 9, 7, where Paul used a soldier, a farmer, and a herdsman to prove his point. He said the laborer is worthy of his reward. Paul deliberately gave up his right to ask for support so that nobody could accuse him of using the gospel for personal gain. But this policy is not required for all of God's servants. As, as a local church grows and it progresses, the people ought to faithfully increase their support of their pastor and other members or other staff members that are, would be paid members. If, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, Paul said, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, it's sad to see the way some local churches waste money and fail to care for their own laborers. God will honor a church that honors his faithful servants. And then there's something else that's true in this image of the farmer. The spiritual leaders who share the word with the people are the first ones to enjoy its blessings. The preacher and the teacher always get more out of the sermon or the lesson than do the hearers because they put much more into it. They also get great joy out of seeing planted seeds bear fruit in the lives of others. So as we think about it, farming is hard work. If you've ever done it, you know it is. I, I, I grew up in, in a farm, on a farm. It was a lot of hard work. And it can have many disappointments, but the rewards of farming are worth it. In chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, the word study has nothing to do with books and teachers. It means to be diligent or to be zealous. And you can find that uh, it's translated in two in in this way in 2 Timothy 4 verses 9 and 21 also in Titus 3 verse 12. The emphasis in this paragraph is that the workman needs to be diligent in his labors so that he will not be ashamed when his work is inspected. 
So the words rightly dividing means cutting straight and can be applied to many different tasks. Um, plowing a straight furrow, cutting a straight board, sewing a straight seam. You know, the pastor is a workman in God's word. The word is a treasure that the steward must guard and invest. It's the soldier's sword and the farmer's seed. It is also the workman's tool for building, measuring, and repairing God's people. The preacher and teacher who use the word correctly will build their church the way God wants them to be, or wants them to be to build it, or the way that He wants it to be built. But a sloppy worker will handle God's word deceitfully, in order to make it say what He wants it to say. See 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2. When God tests our ministry in, in his local churches, some of it, sad to say, will become ashes. An approved worker diligently studies the word of God and seeks to apply it to his own life first. An ashamed worker wastes his time with other religious duties and has little or nothing to give his class or congregation. An approved worker does not waste his time arguing about, quote, words to no profit, as you can find in 2 Timothy 2.14, because he knows that such arguing, it only undermines God's work. An approved workman will shun, actually literally shun, godless chatter. Um, and he'll shun it because he knows it only leads to more ungodliness. I fear that some, quote, sharing times do more harm than good, as well-meaning people exchange their spiritual ignorance. What a shame. An approved workman knows the false doctrine is dangerous, and he will oppose it. So Paul compared it to gangrene in 2 Timothy 2 verse 17. Much as gangrene spreads and it infects and it kills other tissue, so also doctrine spreads and it infects the body of believers, the church. And this infection must be exposed and it must be removed. Only the, quote, sound, healthy doctrine of the Word of God can keep a church healthy and keep a church growing. Paul named two men who were false teachers and he also identified their error. It's likely that, <clears throat> excuse me, Hymenius named here is the same man named in 1 Timothy 1.20 in verse 17, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Same man as, as in 1 Timothy 1 chapter 20. We know nothing about his associate, Philetus. Both of them, quote, wandered from the truth by teaching that the resurrection had already taken place. You know, perhaps they taught that salvation is resurrection in a spiritual sense. So, so a believer must not expect a physical resurrection. But the denial of a physical resurrection is a very serious thing. 
See 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. For it involves the resurrection of Christ and the completion of God's plan of salvation for his people. No wonder that these false teachers were able to overflow the faith of some, as it says in verse 18. The resurrection is a foundational truth of the gospel. Each of us as God's workmen will either be approved or be ashamed. The word approved means one who has been tested and found acceptable. The word was used for testing and approving metals. Each trial that we go through forces us to study the word to find God's will. As we rightly use the word of God, we succeed in overcoming our trials and we are approved by God. Martin Luther, he once said that prayer, study, and suffering make a pastor. And I believe this is true. We cannot be approved unless we are tested. What does it, it mean to be ashamed? Certainly it means that such a workman's work is below standard and cannot be accepted, is unacceptable. It means loss of reward. In fact, in Paul's day, a builder was uh, fined if he failed to follow the specifications. And when the Lord judges our works, it will be revealed whether we as workmen have handled the word of God honestly and have handled the word of God carefully. Some who are, are now first will end up last, verse, um, as we see in verse, verses 19 through 22. In this illustration, Paul described a great house, which is the, the professing church, the foundation of the house is safe and, and secure because God's seal is on it. Paul quoted Moses, the, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And this refers to the Godward aspect of the Christian life. God chose us who trust him as his elect. But there's also a manward aspect of the Christian life. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19. And I'm going to quote that one more time. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity or depart from sin. And this refers back to Numbers where the Lord warned the people to get away from the tents of Korah and, and the rebels. And in other words, those who are the elect of God prove it by living godly lives. We're chosen in Christ that we should be holy, and that we should be without blame. Ephesians 1 verse 4. This great house is not only, not only has a solid foundation that is sealed, but it also has vessels, or you might say utensils of various kinds for performing household functions. Paul divides the utensils into two categories, those of honor, which would be gold and silver, and those of dishonor, which would be wood and clay. He's not distinguishing between kinds of Christians, but rather is making a distinction between true teachers of the word and the false teachers 
that he described in verses 16 through 18. A faithful pastor is like a gold or silver vessel that brings honor to Jesus Christ. The head of a house displays his costliest and most beautiful utensils and gets honor for them. False teachers are not valuable. They are like wood. They are like uh, clay. They are utensils to dishonor, no matter how popular they might be today. Wood and clay will not survive the test of fire. It's worth noting that the, the name Timothy comes from two Greek words. We'll note that here, which together mean, quote, God-honoring. So Paul was encouraging Timothy to live up to his name. And the important thing is that the honorable vessel not be contaminated by the dishonorable ones. In verse 21, it refers to the vessels of dishonor. Paul was admonishing Timothy to separate himself from false teachers, to separate himself from those walking in deception or false in any way. And if he did, then God would honor him. Then God would set him apart. Then God would equip him for service. So we need to take these words unto ourselves and apply them to our own lives. A useful human vessel of honor does not get involved in the popular things of the world, even the religious world. He must remain holy, and this means he must be separated from everything that would defile him. This includes the sins of the flesh as well. See verse 22. Paul used a similar uh, encouragement or admonition towards us where he said flee follow uh, follow fight true Bible separation is balanced okay we flee sin but we follow after righteousness if we're not balanced when then we will be isolated instead of separated let me say that again because I feel like I kind of broke it up when I said it that way True Bible separation is balanced. We flee sin, but we follow after righteousness. If we are not balanced, then we will be isolated instead of separated. Paul commanded us to fellowship with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is the purpose of the ministry of the Word. See 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. It's sad when the true believers are isolated because of a false view of separation. For God to be able to use us as vessels, we must be empty, we must be clean, and we must be available. He will take us, He will fill us, He will use us for His glory. But note this, if we are filled with sin... Or we are defiled by disobedience, he will first have to purge us. And that might not be an enjoyable experience. The Bible says, In the great house of the professing church, there are true believers and there are false believers. We must exercise the spiritual discernment and be careful that we are vessels sanctified unto honor. In verses 23 through 26, in regard to um, 
talking about the servant, 2 Timothy 2.24 is the Greek word doulos, which means slave. So Paul called himself a slave of Jesus Christ. A slave, a slave had no will of his own. He was totally under the command of his master. So once we Christians were the slaves of sin, but now we are the slaves of God. Like the servant in Old Testament days, we say, I love my master. I will not go out free. God's slaves, God's slave does not have an easy time teaching the word. Satan opposes him and tries to trap his listeners. See 2 Timothy 2 verse 26. Also, there are people are just they're just naturally difficult to teach they enjoy say quote foolish and stupid arguments see second timothy 2 verse 23 and they have no desire to feed on the nourishing word of god they just want this the crazy arguments the foolishness but you know until you have experienced it you have no idea how difficult it is to impart spiritual truth to some people How easy it would be to just ignore them, but then Satan would get them. Paul admonished Timothy to avoid the arguments that create strife, but not to ignore the people. He must not uh, argue or fight. He must be patient. He must be gentle. Teaching the word of God in meekness, Paul said. It's not enough just to expose error and to refute it, but we must also teach a positive truth or positive truths and establish the saints in faith. A servant of God must instruct those who oppose. They must instruct those who oppose him, for this is the only way he can rescue them from Satan's captivity. In John 8, 44, the Bible says Satan is a liar. He captures people by his lying promises, even as he did Eve in Genesis chapter 3. A servant's purpose is not to win arguments. That's not our purpose, but it's to win souls. He, God, wants to see deceived persons brought to repentance. He doesn't want to see anyone go to hell. He died for each and every one of us. So he doesn't want deceived persons. Um, he wants them brought to repentance and to acknowledging of the truth. The word recover, as it says in verse 26, describes a man coming out of a drunken stupor. Satan makes people drunk with his lies, and so the servant's task is to be sober. The servant's task is to sober them up and rescue them. And the last phrase in 2 Timothy 26 can be interpreted, interpreted three ways. Number one, they are delivered from the snare of the devil who took them captive to do his will. Number two, they are taken captive by God's servant to do God's will. Number three, they are delivered out of the snare of the devil who took them captive to do God's will. Personally, I prefer the third interpretation as we see these seven aspects of the work of the ministry. You can see how important and how demanding a work it is.
The ministry is no place for a loafer because it, it, it demands discipline and it demands work. It's no place from someone who shirks responsibility because there are enemies to fight and tasks to be completed. Church members need to pray for their pastors and then they need to encourage their pastors in the work of the Lord. Church officers should faithfully do their work so that the pastors can devote themselves to their own ministry. And then as I close here, churches should provide enough financial support for the ministers so that they can fully devote themselves to the work of the ministry. In other words, ministers and members should labor together in the work of the Lord.